Today we have Lehman on, and it's my first Zoom interview ever, and I'm so excited. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Julia? I'm doing great. It's just the weather here. I'm itching all over. It's the allergy capital of the world. Right. Yeah. Oklahoma City uh, got a lot of that uh, wind coming off the northern, uh, southern plains. Mm -hmm. I grew up. I grew up in Harris, Texas, just across the Red River, and yeah, if you have allergies, it's a terrible place to live. <laughs> oh yeah, and like two days ago, it was seventy, and today it was almost a hundred degrees, and just that hot wind blowing on you, and it just makes you feel miserable. I had to take some Nyquil last night because I didn't have any Benadryl, and Nyquil has like a little bit of an antihistamine in it, and I was passed out, and I woke up this morning. I was like that's the ticket. I was like, I feel so much better, but I hate taking like NyQuil and Advil and stuff. I, I, if I don't have to, I won't, but last night I had to. Well, what did you want to get into today? Well, I was thinking you could kind of tell me a little bit about your background for everyone who might not be familiar with it. Uh, well, I mean, um, I've lived like, it seems like I've lived like six lifetimes. So would you like, uh, like a paranormal background? Just a regular? Yes, just... I have heard a lot about your paranormal background. It is so intriguing. Yeah. So um, I'll just start rattling off. And if you have any questions, just break in. Okay. Okay. So uh, like I said earlier, I grew up in Paris, Texas, and I actually grew up uh, in a, a kind of like a homesteading cabin of real close to the uh, Red River. And a lot of times I was I left to my own devices. And I had a large uh, like acreage behind me full of trees that was just my virtual uh, playground. So I, I was about nine or 10 years old one day and I was, you know, jumping through creeks, looking at pebbles and you know walking through fields and just enjoying the country and uh i have a very strange first name and i'm standing in this field and a woman's voice uh, a grown woman's voice goes lehman and i know that there's nobody in the 80 acres that I'm standing in, much less standing right beside me. And it shook me, you know, I ran back to our home and of course nobody was there. 
my brother had gone fishing or whatever. And so that's, that's kind of, that was the impetus that sent me on my journey of uh, trying to figure out what happened, right? And so that curiosity, I think, plays a great part in the rest of my story. Because no matter how scary things were, I could not help myself but dig deeper, right? So about 15 years old, you know, I, and you know, this is back uh, like 91, 92. So, you know, the internet wasn't even a real thing. We heard murmurings at that time of the internet, you know? So you, it was hard to find uh, occult books, but I had heard about the Monroe Institute through a friend and had uh, gotten a hard copy of one of uh, Robert Monroe's books on uh, out-of-body experiences. And then there he teaches a process which you, uh, you know, you sleep for seven hours and you make sure that you get up at 4 a.m., stay up for like 20, 30 minutes, and then go back to sleep. It's like when you go back to sleep the second time, you uh, maintain your consciousness. You just let your body fall back to sleep, right? And then you're able to leave your body. So first two nights, nothing happens, but I stuck with it. The third night, uh, I felt myself coming up out of it almost immediately. I had like this, like dual view, view, like I'm coming sideways out of my body, but at the same time, I'm looking into like an ice cream truck and there's a very old creepy man. It's going, <laughs> freak me the fuck out. Okay. <laughs> oh, so can I cuss or is it not? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, go ahead. Let it fly. Uh, so it freaked me the fuck out, and I sucked back into my body, and I threw that book into the back of my closet and never to try that particular technique for another 20 years. So, but that didn't stop my curiosity. So uh, some friends of uh, mine and I, we started... Um, doing LSD and uh, mushrooms and smoking a little pot, you know, about 16, 17 years old. And one night we got a hold of some LSD PCP mixture. And of course we're dumb. We have no idea what we're getting ourselves into. So uh, there's four of us. Uh, well, there's a fifth one, but he didn't, he wasn't able to participate in what happened. There came a point uh, as we were blasting off, hitting the peak, that we were having telepathic com uh, conversations and everybody of the four were able to, I mean, we were literally like looking at each other, keeping our mouths closed, talking to each other. And it was just as you and I are talking, Julia. Mm -hmm. The fifth guy could hear the conversation, but he could not transmit his thoughts to us and it drove him mad he like freaked out uh woke my mom up my mom had to come out and you know you know, start rolling some joints trying to chill him out a little bit mm -hmm. she was an old head so she understood uh you know so that having that experience changed all four of us 
right? I, to a tremendous degree. Like when you do that, you know that so much more is possible. So that kind of led into like, we all kind of transported, moved, transplanted to Austin, Texas. And Austin in the mid to late 90s was like uh, LSD, mushrooms, ecstasy, as much as you could afford, you could get kind of deal, right? And so I had had one ex uh, extreme experience by myself when I tripping where a giant cobra uh, that was like, I, I describe him as like a 5D cobra. Not only was he 3D, but he had like that extra little mm to him that made him different. Mm -hmm. Well, he swallowed me whole. And of course, at the moment, I was like, what does this even mean on energetic level? You know, and there was a lot of things that I frankly was not aware of at the time, you know. So I would say shortly after that, I learned about synchronicities and they started popping up. And I realized that, you know, if I was on the path, synchronicities would pop up. And I've realized that, you know, I'm not the greatest artist and whatever skill I have is only because I have not quit. You know, I just continuously try, right? Well, I noticed that if I drew a lot throughout the day, then at night, all these synchronicities would start happening. So I kind of knew that the art was part of my path. But, you know, you get to a point where, you know, eating, eating acid and going floating down the San Marcos River and all that, it, it gets old. You know, you can only do that for so long. And I, I remember like really wanting a change. And I laid down one night and had this more real than real dream where I was sitting at a watchmaker's bench. I was looking into a complicated movement, had a jeweler's loop on, had all the tools, the accoutrements of the craft out on the table. There was a Buddha statue and some sort of... Um, postcard and there was people in uh, lab coats milling about I woke up and I thought man there was something that's something about that that rang true so that morning I, I remembered that uh, Paris Junior College actually happens to have one of the few watchmaking schools in America and so I called my dad and I said hey if I move back and get a job immediately and put myself through watchmaking school, do you mind if I uh, stay at your place? So a couple of days later, he drove down to Austin, picked me up, and I did everything that uh, I had laid out. And a few months later, I'm sitting in uh, watchmaking school. And that morning, my dad had given me some mail that I'd gotten from a friend, Tony, who had went out to uh, Mexico on vacation. He sent me uh, this really cool postcard with these uh, ghost dancers on it. And so I was like, oh, yeah. And so when I went in, put my lab coat on, pulled out the movement that I'd been working on. 
and I set that postcard out and I put my jeweler's loop on and looked down and looked up and then it hit me like the most powerful deja vu that I have ever had. I knew that this was the moment that I had dreamt in Austin, Texas. And the completion was my friend Tony sending me that postcard from New Mexico with those ghost dancers. And the people were milling about just as I had seen. And so I kind of flipped up the old jeweler's loop and said, so what are you going to do with that? You know? So I don't know, through a series of interesting events, I find myself in, um, in Florida and, um, I, uh, I should probably back up. There's two events that happened in my childhood that are incredibly important. When I was seven years old, I remember watching on the television an airplane uh, crashing into the Potomac River because of de-icing issues. It was 1982, 83, somewhere in there. And I want to say it was Friday, January 13th. And um, I don't know if you know anything about 4774, but there were 74 fatalities, which has come of some of that magic that they work, you know. Mm -hmm. So it was the first time as a small child that I realized human beings can die. Right. So it made an incredible impression on me. And I was seven then. Well, when I was 12 years old, I, you know, it was, it was like a hot uh, Texas summer day and I'd come inside to get something to drink and my brother was watching some uh, just random television program about a zoo and I'd come in at the tail end and really didn't hear anything about it but it was so beautiful it's subtropical just a gorgeous place so fast forward I'm in watchmaking school I don't want to be a jeweler and I bird dogged my uh, uh, teacher for uh, a phone number so that I could try to cold call Honeywell Aerospace in Florida. Well, through a curious uh, sequence of events, I landed that job. And on the first week I'm in Florida, some of the people that were there were like, hey, you're new. You want to go over to Tampa? I was like, yeah, sure. So... They took me over to Tampa and uh, we were going to different places. And um, next thing I know, I'm standing in the middle of this place. It's Lowry Park Zoo, the zoo that I saw on TV. And I now live less than 30 minutes away from it. So something about uh, the purity and the excitement and the absolute emotion connection that I've made to that that place when I was 12 years old some way manifested all these experiences that had to align in order for me to find myself at that moment in space and time right mm -hmm. but it wasn't uh, it wasn't my intent you know it was just pure yeah, of the child's, child's mind. So while I'm there, I got some extra cash. And uh, at this point, I'm like 28 years old. I am like 
in best shape of my life. And I just go buck wild. Okay. I'm having a good time in Florida, extra cash, got a great job and I got my own place. So needless to say, I was wild and reckless and I made an impression on a lot of different people. Well, I ended up getting married and having a family and one night my middle child was just not going to sleep. And so I said, I'll go lay down beside her and she'll fall asleep and I'll get up and come back into the master bedroom. So I do that. Well, at some point, uh, I had completely fallen asleep, probably fell asleep before she did. And she had gotten up and went to the master bedroom and I'm waking up and I hear these two tones, one higher, one lower, right? And I sit up in bed and I'm like, what are these tones? And there's nothing in the room that could have done it. You know, there wasn't any kind of baby monitor or any kind of electronics. And I stood up and I turned toward the door and a voice goes, don't go to Christ for Christy. Now that was my uh, current, my wife's not name at the time, right? And she was a, a strong believer, is a strong believer in Christ. And and the voice, frankly, Julia, would have made most grown men piss their pants. It, mm. I didn't I didn't do the voice, but it was straight from the pit of hell or wherever, you know. And I'm a big dude, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And so I immediately turn on the light, and I'm looking around like. Because it just, my mind was not computing disincarnate voice, you know? And it was on the second floor, but I, I went ahead and looked out the window anyways. There's no way that could have been anybody outside it. There was no balcony or anything like that. So I sweep the second floor. I sweep the first floor. I run around outside and I come back in and lock all the doors on my way and go back up and tell my wife, Man, I just I just heard a voice in uh, our daughter's room, and like I don't know what it was or what it said. Freaked me out, and she was like, "Ah, go downstairs, get some warm milk, and uh, just see if you can fall asleep." I'm kind of like stomping my feet down the uh, stairs, like, "Yeah, the warm milk's going to fix this." <laughs> well, when I get down there, and you know. I'm trying trying to figure out what it, what's going on. I hear the two tones pop up again. And my curiosity is like, okay, let's see what's what. So I stretch out on the uh, couch in the den. And like I begin to hear the most amazing yet alien techno music I have ever heard in my entire life. Like I follow underground techno even to this day. I haven't heard anything close to as complicated as this music was. And I don't know why I heard it. Next thing I know, it's sunrise, you know. So that, that, I think, I think uh, that had a massive psychological uh, effect on me that I wasn't fully sure of until, uh, much later after my divorce and I had moved back to Paris, Texas to, uh, you know, regroup, 
so to speak. But, you know, I had, uh, um, you know, child support that I had to uh, take care of, and I'd given my family everything that I had uh, made, you know, pension, 401k, the house. I just took a car and my clothes, right? And so I'm kind of in that, in a very fragile state of mind, frankly. And I start having like a series of the worst nightmares you could possibly have. I mean, the kind of stuff that makes you wake up and just scream, you know? So I finally got that under control, you know, a couple years go by. And I found, I, and I can say I can get, I had my footing underneath me a little better. And I'm becoming, um, you know, active in the community again. I had a group of friends that I was, uh, you know, kind of looking into uh, different religions and ideas on a Sunday afternoon, which is a strange thing to find in Paris, Texas, frankly, you know not necessarily the most forward-thinking place on earth. And so I had kind of built up a, uh, a local uh, support group. And all this time, even when I was uh, married, I had, uh, you know, been aware of conspiracy theories, right? Like 2007 was my official, like, I see the level of the bullshit now, right? And mm -hmm. that whole time, I'd been trying to wake people up on Facebook. So I was that conspiracy guy. And I think that uh, didn't do me any favors. I felt very isolated. You know, there was hardly anybody that was looking at stuff in 2012, 2015. Yeah. You know? And so I was the kook as yeah. far as that's concerned. So I spent a lot of time alone. And I, you know, I would start, I read a lot anyways, and I just ratcheted that up. And so one night I'm waiting for my dad to show up because, you know, I always like to uh, conversate with him in the evening time after he gets off work. And I'm laying on the bed, the uh, light in my room is shut off, but light is pouring in from the the rest of the house into that room and something manifests itself on my bed puts its hand on my leg pushes off lands on the floor beside the bed and runs off into the light right and huh, i don't know it felt like it was about a four or five year old the size of something and it had like some sort of cloaking device because I could see a shimmer you know and that freaked me the fuck out frankly you know when something touches you that's not mm -hmm. there so that happened I'm like okay I'll put that in the vault you know what else are you going to do with it so I don't know, a few weeks later, something, maybe a month. I'm in the middle of the afternoon. I'm laying on a couch in the living room, and I'm reading a book called Neuromancer by William Gibson. And in this book, 
there's a man who uh, basically puts on a VR headset and goes into these alternate realities and does these heinous jobs for governments and corporations, right? And it's a pretty important book, you know, it kind of set the tone for cyberpunk culture. It's where Bill Gates got the name Microsoft from. It is what named the cybernet, the cybernet. So pretty important book. And I've often thought that the guy was a CIA operative that wrote it. So at the time, I'm probably, I'm 6'3", and at that time, I probably weighed 360 uh, pounds, right? Big dude. And something picks me up and throws me into the floor like I'm a damn paperweight. I pop up because, you know, I'm, I may be big, but I'm nimble as fuck. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I pick up the couch because my brain, my brain cannot make sense out of what just happened. I pull the cushions off the couch, nothing. I still haven't finished that book. I mean, I don't know if there's any kind of relationship to that book, but I'm not fucking with that book to find out, you know? So November 17th, 2017 is probably, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that ever. So I, it's about 1130 at night and I'm reading Russell Targ's ESP uh, book on ESP where he makes the case for it. And Russell Targ was the uh, group leader of the remote viewing project for Army Intel that was run out of uh, Stanford Research Institute. And uh, so pretty important book. I'm reading it. I'm turned to on my uh, left side. My Australian Shepherd's on the end of the bed. I see you have a couple of dogs. You know, dogs are a great alarm system. Mm-hmm. So something runs in and jumps on the bed. And like before, it's got some sort of cloak on it because I can just see a shimmer. And it feels like it weighs about what a four or five-year-old would weigh. And it runs up the side of the bed that I'm turned toward. And I instantly start to get sleepy. And I think in my head, it's gassing me or something. And probably the reason I instantly went to that is um, there's a guy named Tom Montauk. He's got some YouTube videos and he's got a really like detailed website called tommontauk.net, right? And, you know, you go through there he kind of describes all kinds of situations that people have found themselves in. And so I instantly thought this is something's trying to knock me out. Whatever jumped on the bed is trying to knock me out. I'm about to be abducted if I let, if I lose consciousness. Well, thankfully I've done my share of fucking drugs and they didn't bring the best shit. And so I was like, I, although it did, it kind of felt like, you know, if you mixed, Quaaludes, Riff, non-Xanax all together. You know, you kind of go down quick. But I was like, I willed myself to stay awake. And I went to heading, whatever it was, because I felt like it was right in front of my face. 
and it caught my hand, Julia, and then ran off the bed into the darkness. I was in like, like I said, it was, I felt like it was gassing me. And so it was like a mild paralysis. My dog is catatonic. And I finally get to where I could get up. I run into the rest of the house. I'm flicking on lights. My dog is still laying down. Usually anytime I get up, the dog is getting up. And uh, I go to the other side of the house where my dad is sleeping. And he has an Australian cattle dog that sleeps in his room, twice as hyper as the Australian shepherd. And I flick on the, you might call them Calahoonies where you're at. I flick on the lights and that dog is like catatonic. Usually anytime I come up, that sucker's up and ready to, to party. Mm-hmm. My dad's out and I'm, I'll go outside thinking, okay, how'd they get here? I don't hear nothing. I don't see anything. And I reported that one to MUFON uh, because it just, it unnerved me. I, I thought it was, and for sure, an abduction, abduction attempt. And what I, I now think, uh, you know, as I get older, I think I probably have been abducted a few times. Uh, I think when I was a kid, most likely because I was left unsupervised out in the woods for days on end, you know, it would have been easy for something like that to just take my brother and I. So, you know, I had that situation. And um, then I come across Joe Dispenza's work. Are you familiar with his work? I am. Yeah, Becoming Supernatural is uh, one of the most important books that I've ever written. In chapter three of Becoming uh, Supernatural, he tells you a way to manifest something that you want in your life. So... Uh, a friend and I had been reading through the book together. So July 1st, 2019 was the day that we decided we were going to do this. And so I wanted uh, a real committed, loving relationship, right? So I, at the top of my paper, I put an L and I put two squiggly lines around it, right? And later I found out that this is, sigil magic essentially but he he presents it in such a way that uh, the soccer moms can appreciate it right so on the left side is your uh is your intent right this is the uh, uh magnet right and uh so what you put on there is the things that you want more than anything. So I put on there that I wanted a tall, blondish woman with a big ass. And uh, I wanted to travel up and down the eastern seaboard. I wanted to eat in fine restaurants. And I wanted to try, uh, you know, just experience uh, all those things, right? And on the right-hand side, you put, how would you feel if you're able to manifest that? And I put things like, I would feel empowered, I would feel grateful, humbled, amazed, you know? And so I stood in my room and I read the left side and then the right side. 
and then let it go. I put the paper in my desk and moved on with my life. About three weeks later, in my DMs uh, was a lady from Florida that I had dated uh, prior to getting married, right? One of these ladies that I made an impression on. And uh, she's like, what are you, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm divorced and, uh, you know, hanging out in Texas. She's like, you want to come to Alexandria, Virginia and visit? Sure. So I show up and I basically haven't left since. We got married December 2019, just before all the nonsense broke out in the world. Probably one of the best things that we did was just get married quickly and not worry about all the pomp and circumstance, right? So we, we live in an apartment and we live right on the Potomac River. And we were talking one day and she's like, you know, one of my older coworkers uh, back in the eighties, he pulled a bunch of people out of the river when an airplane crashed into the Potomac and it just happened like two miles up the road. And I'm sitting there just grinning from ear to ear and thinking about that seven-year-old boy who had that just almost palpable experience with death. And now I like literally live on the banks of the river and wish that happened. So it's a magical realm, Julia. It shows itself to me on a near daily basis. I had a, a synchro stack today just that just won't quit. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, yeah, so, you know, where would you like to go from there? I have a question for you, and I just want your take on it. Yes, ma'am. So, you know how drugs can open you up to other realms and you can see things that other people can't see have you had any experience yourself or with anyone else who has like done meth and they've become like a meth head and they start seeing demons and like really negative dark entities that are just like trying to possess them or like any experience with something like that one of the reasons why my brother and I were left alone so much was because my parents had a 12-year addiction. And the insanity, I didn't know it at the time. It wasn't until I was much older that that's what the issue was. But I still had to deal with the insanity, right? And so, yeah, I am, unfortunately, I am painfully aware of, the nonsense that goes along with that. And uh, while that is not my fate, I, I stayed away from that nonsense because I had enough of that as a child to deal with that I didn't want anything to do with it. I do know what you're talking about. And there's this guy named Jerry Marzinski. Are you familiar with his work? No. Well, basically, he he's a very... He's an amazing human being who's trying to reform the prison system and show how uh, discarnate entities are having a, a, an impact on people's lives, specifically uh, in a book that he and another lady wrote. 
He chronicles how the demons would tell the meth addicts where to score. They'd tell them which houses to rob. And while they were inside the house, the, the demons would tell them exactly what to go get and leave all the other stuff because you won't have time because the alarm just went off and would help them evade the police as the police rode up the front and run, he'd, uh, the demon would run them out the back. Uh, I mean, the situations that are in that book, uh, if I hadn't had so many weird experiences myself, I would say, no, nah, there's no way. But yeah, I've, I've already seen behind the veil too much to not believe that. And what he's, he's doing the good work and trying to bring awareness. And of course, he's going up against a lot of resistance from these materialist, reductionist uh, psychologists and psychiatrists that don't believe in demons. Yeah, they like to say that they're just hallucinations and there's nothing to it. But I actually, someone in my own personal life, I've seen, I saw them go through the addiction and the things that they would whisper to her or the things that they would say to her, it was not a hallucination. I know. I know. Like it almost give them psychic abilities sometimes, right? Mm-hmm information about things that they shouldn't have been able to know about yes and i have heard several people who do meth who have said they see reptiles Mm -hmm. all the time do you have anything about that uh well i mean the only thing close to a reptile that i saw was that giant cobra but it doesn't it makes perfect sense to me because reptiles are like a low vibrational situation and meth is a low vibration addiction. And so you, it puts you in that same frequency. Now, because of Joe Dispenza's work, I am a firm believer in raising your frequency and having different experiences. And I've had, uh, you know, I meditate a great deal. I kind of slacked off in the last month and I really need to get back on it, but I've had angelic beings, I cannot express it any other way, that have worked on my body and done something to me that, uh, I don't know, I'm in, I feel tremendous 99.9% of the time. Now, most people will tell you that that's probably not possible at uh, as a person my size, right? I feel wonderful. And I don't know if it's what the angels that show up occasionally at night, what they're doing to me, if that's what maintains it, or that I just got the luck of the draw, and I'm that jolly fat man that everybody talks about, you know. But Yeah, I just, it intrigues me because I feel like, like medical professionals poo-poo the idea that you can see entities or you can have like, a spiritual affliction, whether it's positive, like you said, they can come and heal your body and it's, it's angelic or you're seeing reptiles and they're whispering things to you and you're feeling like they're taking over your body. And then you try to seek help and they just tell you, Oh, it's a drug addict. They're crazy. Don't listen to them, but it's so real. I would never, if someone came to me with that story, I would never, I tell them I don't believe them because I, I mean, that's real. 
if, if anything is, that's real. That's more real than believing the government. Yeah, exactly. Did you yeah. have any other experiences? Well, all of them from that point uh, are very positive. And I equate that to raising my vibration, you know? And so very few people are interested in the positive ones as much as, you know, uh, I've had that experience where like you realize that you are one with uh, God or the creator source that not only are you a drop in the ocean, but you're the ocean itself. Uh, and that pretty much helped me release any kind of fear that I've had. Like even with what the goes on right across the river from me, from our government, you know, Washington DC is right there. Uh, yeah, I don't, I couldn't give, uh, couldn't care less what they do because of that experience that I had. You know, I no longer fear the people that can do things to this physical body. It's only what uh, can do something to my spiritual body that I care about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've had orgasms start in the base of my feet and work their way all the way up to the crown of my head and shoot out the top and I don't know what you do with that. Uh, at the time, I just relaxed into it with uh, rapturous uh, thankfulness. It's like mm -hmm. it was the strangest experience of my life. You know, how does an orgasm begin in your feet? You and know? it's like, it's not like the physical sensation. Well, it is a physical sensation, but it's not like this, the lower vibration of like, when you're having sex and you have an orgasm and it's like, boom, and it's over. This is like a spiritual type of sensation is what I've been told. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's extent it's uh, extended. It lasted for like four or five minutes. And frankly, you know, I, I absolutely enjoy sex to the fullest, but this was even better than the best sex you could have. You know, and it's indescribable. It's that ecstatic bliss that some people talk about. So, you know, it's like. I don't know how much longer my dog is going to let us talk, <laughs> but it was so nice having you on the Lehman. I appreciate it. And I want to like do a part two and we For can. Sure yeah dive into something different but um if you want to go ahead and just tell people where they can find you and then we will talk later about a part two yeah uh i'm pretty accessible on instagram at lehman dollins art and i uh have a i have one episode on spotify of a podcast called hypnagogic tourist uh, podcast where I interview a family member about some of his strange experiences and uh, you know if you like that sort of thing check that out well I appreciate you so much and we will get back together at a later time and we'll bring the fire <laughs> thank you so much thank you for having me
Thank you.